You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ring of Honor gets that WrestleMania moment and they join in on the fun. This is Super Card of Honor from 2006. You're listening to Pure, a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast. Welcome once again to a new episode of Pure Ring of Honor Retrospective Podcast. I'm Sean Taggart here, part of the Countout Podcast Network, where I bring you the insights and my personal feelings watching old Ring of Honor shows from 2002 to present. And the reason why I say present is next time on Pure will be uh, Super Card of Honor 2022 that we cover. We'll go a little bit more recent, actually two days recent and we'll talk about that show as a, a kickstart to a new era in ring of honor this week we go all the way back to 2006 where ring of honor decided to piggyback off the successes of wrestlemania and run two consecutive days in chicago ridge illinois this night though we're going to be talking about super card of honor from 2006 this was a great show from top to bottom probably has one of and a lot of people's favorite Ring of Honor match of all time that wasn't involving any Ring of Honor talent, plus a 50-plus minute classic between Brian Danielson and Roderick Strong. But we will get there. One of the things that I want to talk about here is the time frame of Ring of Honor. This is still relatively pretty early on in Brian's uh, Ring of Honor world title reign. He did win it back in September of 2005, but we are in... The thick of it, really, if you think about it, but still on the first half of it all. Uh, Brian has had some challenges from uh, Roderick Strong, two early challenges in which Brian defeated him near 60 minutes both times. Uh, and then we also did have Roderick pick up a win with him at Tag-, Tag Wars 2006 for the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles at Tag Wars 2006. So right now we do have some back and forth history from Roderick Strong. We do also have a lot of things coming out to play here. Uh, no Nigel McGuinness. Uh, we'll find out why during the intermission half of the show after the Do Fixer Blood Generation match, which ends disc one of two on this DVD set. Um, but we do get the show started off with what we all wanted and all we waited for a Jim Cornette promo downing CZW. Yes, this is this be really the early stages of that CZW feud here in Ring of Honor um, between the two companies, the two rival companies, mainly just because they both run in the Philadelphia area and they also want to get their, you know, flowers for being one of the better companies in that region and area. I really don't understand fully why we had to run this in Chicago. Chicago really doesn't care for CZW. 
But at the time, this was something that, you know, the companies were working on together. So what better way to continue this story but by bringing in and using this during their biggest show of the year at the time. Um, Ring of Honor uh, really wanted to focus more on the pure class wrestling, while uh, CZW, obviously, we know them for the deathmatch style, the ultra-violent style. But CZW did have some good wrestlers in there as well, and they were heavily featured in this feud, such as uh, Chris Hero, who was part of the opening promo segment here, really just trashing the fans that were waiting in line to get inside the Frontier Fieldhouse. Plus, you also had Eddie Kingston, Claudio Castagnoli that would eventually jump sides, but right now he is uh, heavily Team ROH and against his uh, Kings of Wrestling tag partner Chris Hero at the time. Um, we did also get to see some shining moments from uh, Nate Webb in this. And then also someone who was part of that deathmatch style of wrestling, we are talking about Necro Butcher. He was part of this future Team CZW as well. But we get back into the ring, and not only is Jim Corner in the ring, but a broken and beaten bj whitmer who has sustained a uh injured ankle on this he uh shattered his ankle in the match the night before we also find out earlier on in the show before cornet comes out that colt cabana will not be appearing on tonight's show due to a concussion um which leaves some of the chicago crowd very upset but we move on to this promo and really with Cornette it's just trashing a lot of these guys here of the CZW style he doesn't understand it he doesn't get it uh he brings out two masked men who we later find out to be Pelly Primo and Rhett Titus currently of the Ring of Honor uh wrestling school trained by Brian Danielson and Austin Aries they come in and they get also you know talked down to by Cornette but out comes two people who are going to show these people who's boss. It's none other than Adam Pierce and Samoa Joe. They single-handedly just destroy these two guys in the ring. Uh, less than a minute later, we have our victors, which is Adam Pierce and Samoa Joe. Joe hits a uh, muscle buster and then followed up from Pierce with a big splash off the top rope. Pierce gets a three count. And we get on and we join the show. In, and we start off with a four-corner survival match, a little four-way here to open up the show with Ricky Reyes, Flash Flanagan, Shane Haggardorn, and Delirious. This here was a good match. This was a good opener. Really showcased the different styles and really got the crowd even more excited for this overall show. The sides here in this match, they were working very good together, really focusing on each other's uh, body parts. Delirious, you know, when the bell rings, that's when he gets all crazy and goes off to his little tangent, starts running around a little bit. So we got to see Delirious be Delirious here, which for a lot of people is something that they enjoy. I mean, it's an acquired taste is a gimmick, but a lot of people do seem to enjoy it. Flash Flanagan making one of his only uh, very few appearances here in Ring of Honor uh, really got this spotlight. He got to shine a little bit. It was really nice to see him get the chance here and really showcase his talents. It's a, sh a shame that he really never got more than these shots here because he was actually a very decent wrestler. We would see him pop up back up on the independent scene uh, a couple years ago, actually, I think in IWA Mid-South. So it was very nice to see him. Uh, get this early look at here in Ring of Honor. Ricky Ray is part of the uh, Rottweilers, the team of Homicide Loki, who we also found out a little bit earlier in the show during the opening uh, promos of the show, has been fired from Ring of Honor or, or indefinitely suspended 
We also know what that really means. He's gone from Ring of Honor. But, you know, Rocky Romero, Homicide, and Ricky Reyes now, you know, lead out and take over for the Rottweilers. So this match itself was a really good uh, opener. I feel like they showcased everyone in here very well. A lot of good spots, a lot of uh, high action spots. So this was a really good match here. I feel as if, like I said, this was a great way to get the crowd started, get them excited, get them ready for tonight's event which was going to be a really big event for Ring of Honor. Like I said, they were piggybacking off the successes of WrestleMania. A good traveling crowd was going to come in and, you know, they packed the Frontier Fieldhouse both nights, but for this night they had 1,100 in there. So it was a very good showing here and a very good way to start the show. Um, We quickly go into tag team action as the embassy of... Alex Shelley and Jimmy Rave take on Claudio Castagnoli and Jimmy Yang. This was, you know, we all seen the problems that the embassy has caused across the entire Ring of Honor locker room. It's no surprise that there's problems here right now, and including uh, Claudio Castagnoli, who has his own problems with Chris Hero, but he's also intertwined with some embassy issues as well. Um, You know, they talk about, because they ran actually three nights Ring of Honor. They ran the night before in Detroit. And then the 31st and the 1st, they were running in Chicago or uh, Chicago Ridge, a suburb of Chicago. But, you know, they had the crowd there. They were ready for this match. A lot of good stuff here, too. You know, a lot of back and forth. Jimmy Yang doesn't get the credit he deserves for being a very good wrestler. Uh, He had some time in WCW, part of the Young Dragons, and then he had some time as a cowboy or whatever the case may be in WWE really didn't get to showcase just his benefit and his style a lot of his stuff comes in after that time in wwe where he does a lot of stuff on the independence in all japan really getting and really showcasing just the natural talent that he has um he is now still wrestling he is uh teaming with his daughter um who's coming up into this scene so make sure you take a look out for jazzy and uh Jimmy Yang on the independent circuit. They have been uh, running the southeast, but maybe you know they can come up north or wherever the case you may be on the west coast and wrestle for a show near you. So it's good to see them here getting that opportunity. Claudio still weird where he has hair. I'm used to him at least having the long hair cut as he was accepting his reasoning to be bald. Um, because, you know, that just happens for some people. So he was, you know, still showcasing that he had some long hair in this. Still weird to me to see it. But some great tag team wrestling, a nice little back and forth action here. Really showcasing, really focusing on certain aspects of, you know, the strengths of each com- uh, competitor in this match. Alex Shelley still coming into his own as an overall competitor here, not only for Ring of Honor, but just in general in wrestling. Um, he's really showcasing how good he has become in the short period of time that he's been in the business. Uh, but you could see here, this is just another case of, you know, Jimmy Rave being Jimmy Rave, a good dastardly heel, showcasing his character work as a heel, Prince Diana putting him over, Daisy Hayes putting him over at ringside with, you know, everyone just really getting tired of him. It was really nice to see when he was coming out and staring the entire crowd throwing rolls of toilet paper at him. That was one thing that he was known to get done to him as he was coming out to the ring. So it was a nice treat to see that as we were watching this match here. I really feel as though, you know, there was points in this match where we felt like it was going on for maybe a little too long. Um... But, I mean, they already figured out and would master the pace to get it back to where they needed it to be. Uh, at the end of the day, 
Jimmy Rave gets a quick roll up on uh, Claudio, and honestly, you expected it. I mean, they've been on a roll. They have another chance uh, next day to really showcase themselves a little bit more. But this was a good win. And after the match is your second appearance of Chris Hero just really talking down the Ring of Honor fans. And then all of a sudden, uh, massive uh, security, which is the RRH students that were there at the show with uh, everyone, taking him out and getting him out of the show, um, kicking him out, so to speak. So we wouldn't have to see uh, old Chris here on this show anymore, hopefully, because, uh, yeah, we don't need to see him here. We go on and we look at, you know, Ace Steel and uh, Chad Collier. Collier was one of those people that, you know, would show up to Ring of Honor from time to time. Uh, this was really just a uh, rematch from their match at Punk the Final Chapter in August 2005, where it was a very good technical back and forth match, but all of a sudden, Collier snapped, it seemed like, and uh, pretty much beat uh, Ace Steel to a bloody pulp. This match here, first blood match, uh, Ace promised before this match um, during a promo that he would get his revenge and he would make uh, Collier bleed. And honestly, this was all right. I, I really never got into Ace Steel as a wrestler, and that's no, nothing that against him. Just, you know, some of his style and his matches never clicked for me for whatever reason. Uh, this one really didn't for me as well. This was more of a brawl outside of the ring, that, and this wasn't the technical masterpiece that they were talking about that happened at Punk the Final Chapter before all that went down. Um, and this was just more of a showcase of getting Ace Steel over here. I feel as if there was a lot more that could have you know, been done. There could have been a lot more here that could have made this match feel a little bit more important than it was. This is a first blood match, so this is like an uh, ending of a feud and whatever. And it just didn't feel like a feud ender. It felt like this was just a normal match that just had this weird stipulation added to it to make it look cool for the Chicago crowd. Uh, I feel as if we could have done a little bit more theatrics to get the blood flow happen. Um, but it almost came out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, we did have the chair shots from Ace Steel to get that flowing, but really didn't really truly build up to the chair shots the way that I thought they would. I felt as if, you know, maybe they should have done it a little bit differently, you know, work some of the other weaponry around in the ring that they were using. They were, you know, chucking each other into the uh, barriers around the ringside, maybe do that a little bit more. But honestly, I feel as if there was a lot left to be desired. But, I mean, you know, on a show that was going on for so long, had so many matches on here not everything's going to hit, not everything's going to click the way it should. Um, but, you know, it was a prime example here of allowing these two to really go on and showcase whatever they were trying to showcase. We go on next to probably another strong tag match here on the show. Um, a very highly rated tag match to the cage match audience. We look at Matt Seidel, who is part of Generation Next at this time. He is teaming with AJ Styles. AJ wanted to take him under the wing, and how could Matt Seidel say no? Which is a very good point. How could you say no to somebody like AJ Styles? You want to learn from the best. You want to become the best. Why not go under his wing? But that did bother Generation Next leader Austin Aries, who him and uh, Jack Evans went on to have probably, if and you know what, they really showcased themselves very well here and showed out here very well. Um, they talk about the two 
uh, meaning Adrian Seidel having the chance against Roderick and Austin Aries for the RH Tag Team titles here. And, you know, this is a story about, you know, Seidel wanting to prove himself as a uh, competitor, as a worthy competitor here in Ring of Honor. Really wanted to showcase himself as somebody who can be on the level of an AJ Styles, of an Austin Aries. Guys like that, that can raise their game and raise their bar, take themselves to a level that really can't be matched. Um, and I think this was a really good coming out party for uh, Matt Seidel in this match. He really was the main attraction, the star of the show in this match alone. And I feel as if, you know, that was a product of AJ wanting him to get the opportunity to showcase just as good as he can be. We do know how good he is. We do understand and we do see the cases of Seidel being one of the better wrestlers in not only the world, but you know, for Ring of Honor in a sh- you know short period of time, one of the better high flyers that this company has to offer, um, you know, gets to showcase and showcases talents. Well, uh, t- probably in my opinion, took over Jack Evans and one of the better high flyers here in Ring of Honor. Jack Evans still had some of the flashy moves, but you can even see like even at this time, and we see what Jack Evans is like now in AEW. You know, getting up there in age, broken a little bit from running all those moves and doing all that stuff that really would catch up to him you would you saw some early flashes of that happening to him here but not enough to really you know worry about him you know this is just jack evans being jack having a really good you know match just showing off his spots a little sloppy at times but jack can hit those moves and you don't have to really worry about it here what was really telling to you is the fact that seidel really was getting worked by aries and evans pretty tough this wasn't going to be an easy match for Seidel, especially for Seidel, just because, you know, he's going and turning his back sort of in a way to Generation Next by teaming with AJ instead of not taking the tutelage of an Austin Aries here. This was, you know, a lot of heavy back and forth. This got to the point where, you know, I think Aries realized he was being a little too rough um, and decided to back off a little bit, but, you know, that bit him in the end and, Seidel and AJ did get the victory here um, on a big match here for Seidel, really bringing him out and showing to the world that he can be a big player here in Ring of Honor if you give him the chance to be. Once again, you're listening to Pure of Ring of Honor Wrestling uh, Retrospective Podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. We bring you podcasts, you know, a little bit about everything. If you want to teach your friend how to talk about wrestling or how to understand wrestling, we have how to talk to your friend about wrestling. If you want to get into the waters of independent wrestling and you don't know where to start, why not join us every week for independent uh, indie waters? Uh, if you want to just know about the week that was in wrestling, Ring Post Radio has you there. If you want to just sit back, sip a drink with uh, the gang here at uh, Count Out Podcast Network, Join us every Thursdays for Happy Hour, or if you are into the deathmatch style of wrestling, we have you covered with your dose of death. So there's a little bit of everything here on the Count Up Podcast of Networks. And this brings me to the main event of Disc 1. Um, this is Do Fixer versus Blood Generation. This is one of the highest rated Ring of Honor matches, according to Cage Match, according to Dave Meltzer, if you're into that type of thing. This was really one of those matches that I think Lenny Leonard and Dave Prezak, not, 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 no you know disrespect to them, I think this was too much for them to really focus on and track. So they let the action do the talking. 
And sometimes when that happens, you just want to let that happen because it gives you the ability to understand and see a little bit clearer what's going on. You get to really feel the action, feel the emotion, feel the crowd energy because, you know, the pumping of the um, mics that they have back there, you really don't get to hear, get to feel the energy in the crowd. And this is one of those matches that you really got to feel and understand that energy. The energy that we really felt as if, you know, watching this match unfold, you would still get to see if there was commentary, but that added, added extra layer here of no commentary just brought it up to the level and you got to respect the match a little bit more. You got to respect and understand what exactly is going on in this match at all given times. A lot of back and forth, a lot of fast action, I mean, almost two facts uh Naruki Doi is known for his speed so you saw him like sprint back and forth on the ropes without breaking a sweat here made me break a sweat to be honest with you just watching how fast he went but you got to see a lot of things in this match that really you don't get to see a lot of in Ring of Honor to this day uh their partnership with Dragon Gate gave us uh gems like this gave us gems to really focus and just enjoy the wrestling itself rather than the entire other areas of the wrestling business this was just straight up action and in your pay, in your face fast pace just wouldn't stop um dragon gate tag rules are pretty much lucha tag rules so you just really just see people coming in and out of this match uh a really good showing here for the dragon gate guys and i think this was you know they had dragon gate challenge the night before uh, but this was really a test to see how well the Dragon Gate guys would get over with the United States crowd, especially a traveling crowd. Um, Ring of Honor fans in general are very smart fans at the time. They would pretty much watch everything. Ring of Honor's uh, own website would carry and sell some of these shows for fans to go ahead and purchase. So you had the opportunity here to really focus and watch and really understand how your favorites were going here in uh, Dragon Gate. And honestly, you know, do Fixer gets a big win here. It was a very good showcase here. I would say probably one of the better matches on the card here that isn't um, the AJ Styles, uh, Matt Seidel versus uh, Generation X tag match, and even the main event. So we go here. Before we take that disc out and we go to disc two, Nigel McGuinness explains his whereabouts, explains why he's not at uh, Super Card of Honor. He's out there defending the pure title in japan so he's trying to make this a world title and he makes a point to bring up brian danielson who claims he's the best in the world because he gets to travel and showcase and really push the pure title as the title to want in ring of honor and he's looking forward to the eventual challenge of him versus brian for the ring of honor world title so something to think about here as that he gets planted into the minds of ring of honor fans who are watching the dvd and going, hmm, that should be a good match when that happens as they switch from disc one to disc two. So we go here and we are in the back half of the show. One of the things here to get excited about too is a shimmer um, you know, showcase here between uh, Alice in Danger, Cheerleader, Melissa, Lacey, Rain, uh, Daisy Hayes, and Mischief. This was a good opportunity for the uh, shimmer audience or the shimmer faithful to, or even people who just wanted to see what shimmer was all about get the opportunity here and showcase themselves in this six-man match really cool to see a lot of these girls and what they've accomplished the women 
for Shimmer in this early going. You have pretty much the founding sisters or the founding mothers uh, of Shimmer in this match here. Sure, there's a couple that are missing. Dave Prezak is doing the call for this, so he's there as well, talking up and talking about Shimmer. But you have everyone here who, you know, played an important part in the whole birth and start of Shimmer. So it was really nice to get them the opportunity to showcase themselves here and given the opportunity to showcase some of the spots that they can do here as well. So I feel as if this was just a very good way to, you know, get people talking about Shimmer a little bit more, get people interested and invested in what the product was going to offer. At the time, it was the sister promotion to Ring of Honor. So you would see a lot of crossover in terms of the women getting their shots on a Ring of Honor card, getting them opportunities to wrestle either on a main card or during the pre-show dark matches either way you got them to really showcase their true ability and true talent one of the biggest names to come out of the shimmer uh you know archives or their shimmer history books is somebody like a salad sour del rey who wasn't showcased in this match but you wouldn't know how her impact would play throughout her time not only in ring of honor but also on the wrestling scene itself so uh, Mischief picks up the victory here. Very good back and forth. Everyone got to sh get their stuff in, really showcase their talent and their ability in the ring, which honestly, not more than what you can ask for here in a match that was just crowded and loaded with a lot of very heavy hitters in the women's wrestling scene at the time on the independents. We go in and we get the homicide match. No, it's not against Cole Cabana, as we found out earlier on in the show that Cole Cabana was unable to make it due to a concussion he, uh, he got the night before in Detroit. So Homicide has this match, and it is a squash against Mitch Franklin, who's a Ring of Honor student. Uh, he's not Grizzly Redwood just yet. He's still just Mitch Franklin. So, you know, Mitch tries to get some of his offense in. Homicide doesn't really take any of his offense at all. Um, it's really just a one-sided affair here. We do get to see the cop killer in the one, two, three later. Homicide wins. Uh, Homicide really focuses on the point that he's done with Cole Cabana and, you know, just really doesn't want to do anything with him, doesn't want to deal with him, doesn't want to be involved with him, so on and so forth. Well, that's too bad because Cole Cabana's here and he's ready to fight, which, you know, we hear on commentary. And if you really think about it, if a guy has a concussion, he shouldn't really be out there. But uh, 2006 was a different time about head injuries and wrestling. So out comes Cole Cabana, and he really tries his best to take down and defeat Homicide. He does get the early upper hand here, uh, putting Homicide through a table, throwing around and hitting the barriers. He looks like he's about to hit the Colt 45 on Homicide, but Julius Smokes gets up on the ring, and that's really where things turn south for Cabana as he then takes the rest of the beating pretty bad, uh, ending with a couple of share shots to the head as well as a DDT right on a ladder, pretty much a ladder that gave him the concussion in the first place. This was supposed to be a fight without honor match here. This was the apex of their feud here. This was going to get pretty hot and heavy pretty quickly. Um, and as, you know, Cabana was getting dragged out, not dragged out, but carried out and helped, in comes Necro Butcher and Chris Hero, so the security that was there for Ring of Honor didn't really do that great of a job um, because, you know, Necro and Chris Hero are in the ring really talking down the Ring of Honor audience. Cabana tries to get himself pulled back into the ring so he can fight them, 
but the uh, referees and the uh, security team are slowly trying to get Cabana out of there. Continues to talk him down. Out comes uh, Samoa Joe and Adam Pierce, who really, uh, you know, try to even the odds here. Uh, looks like for a while this is a long brawl, a lot of back and forth, a lot of pushing, shoving, beating, and everything like that. Um, finally, we get the Ring of Honor guys taken care of as BJ Whitmer comes hobbling on his broken ankle, as we know that is broken from earlier, as Jim Cornette is also struggling out there. But uh, BJ Whitmer comes out, you know, scares Hero back into the ring, gets a beat and taken down by both Joe and uh, Pierce, rolls out of the ring, gets blasted over the head with a chair by Whitmer. In comes Cornette, and really, you know, it's just uh, Ring of Honor is the better company and does it again type of uh, situation here. And that would happen on a lot of these Ring of Honor shows. There wasn't really any true struggle or back and forth. It was just that, hey, Ring of Honor is better. Well, look at that. They get one up. CZW did have a few moments in Ring of Honor. And obviously on their shows that the feud uh, would take place a part of. This was easily just a one-sided affair that Ring of Honor took advantage of and ran with. And... Honestly, I think Ring of Honor cared a little bit more about this feud. I don't understand why, but this was something that they cared about a little bit more. Joe would stay in the ring as we get to the semi-main event, the cool down, if you will, between uh, Joe, Jimmy Jacobs, and Christopher Daniels. Joe is um, in the ring. He's obviously you know still over with the crowd. People still like him. Um, Daniels' whole big thing now is maybe he'll start shaking hands and abide by the code of honor. Who knows? You're going to have to watch and find out if he really wants to. Um, and then also, Jimmy Jacobs is infatuated with Lacey. At this time, the Ballad of Lacey did come out. Um, and that was his entrance music, which infuriated Lacey. And she, Lacey just wanted Jimmy to focus on the match and win. Jimmy wanted to focus on his love to Lacey and his attention to Lacey. So a lot of you know mixed signals, if you will, between Jimmy and Lacey here. But this was a really good showcase for all three in this match. Obviously, Joe and uh, Daniels being the TV wrestlers for uh, TNA at the time. Uh, Jimmy, you know, he's a very good uh, independent wrestler. Really, on the Midwest scene, he's picking up steam here in Ring of Honor with everything that he's doing with the Ballad of Lacey. Jimmy loves Lacey. Some of the stuff with BJ Whitmer that was going on as well. So, really showcased all three men very strong. Jimmy looked like he could have won this match a couple of times trying to hit that contra code both on Daniels and Joe, but it really didn't matter because at the end of the day, um, Joe would just choke out uh, Jacobs and would piss off Lacey because Jimmy didn't get the job done again in her eyes, so that annoyed her. Um, but this, like I said, this was a nice way to get the crowd still excited. It was a very late night. Um, they were just about to, you know, they were at quarter to uh, midnight when the main event started. This was a long show. This was going on for almost four hours at the time. The show almost went nearly five hours. But the th major thing here is, you know, Ring of Honor is putting on a great product and a great show for everyone. This is WrestleMania weekend. This is their time to really showcase who Ring of Honor is. They had some marquee events, but they never really had anything that would stick out as like a traveling event and this is one of those traveling weekends it still is to this day where everyone will go and you know enjoy their time in a in this year in dallas 
and really want to watch a lot of wrestling before they go to their, in their eyes, the main event, which is Saturday and Sunday at WrestleMania. Now, we get into this main event, and the major story here, obviously, is the last time these two faced off against one another in a tag team match. Radek Strong got the pin and took the victory over Brian. Brian, you know, was too hesitant to give him this rematch. I think a lot of it had to do with Brian feeling like maybe he can't beat Roderick for this third time in a singles match. But as we see here, you know, both men worked on understanding how each other worked very well in this match. I think you do get to see a lot of Brian really understanding how his opponent works and really focusing on ways to beat that opponent. Like, if the first time it doesn't work, here's, you know, something else I could try to make this work yet again. It's very nice to see a little bit of variety in Brian's offense, which he's known for, so that isn't surprising or new at all. But it's also good to see um, Roderick get this opportunity as, you know, he's been in Ring of Honor for a couple years now, and this is really his chance to shine, really his chance to showcase himself as one of the top wrestlers in the company really push himself as the upper echelon of Ring of Honor talent. Um, Brian's known for going long. We talked, they talked in this match about his 75-minute match against Aries, uh, testing the limit. They talked about him, you know, wrestling 50, 60 minutes at a given time. Brian likes to draw out and really work to his opponent and wear his opponent out, which is something that, you know, Roddy knows, and he also wants to wear out Brian. This was a match figuring out who would outtire the other one first, who would, you know, get the better hand, so to speak, between the two of them. And at the end of the day, Brian, being the smart wrestler that he is, knew a weakness, and this in this case was he worked the legs of Roderick throughout the entire match to the point, you know, he was hitting those backbreakers near the end of this match and was really struggling keeping himself standing up straight, keeping himself focused and trying to get this match over with. So there's a lot of inconsistencies there, which led to some parts of, you know, will Roddy be able to overcome that hump? Will he be able to, you know, overcome some of these ailments that he's dealing with right now? The answer was no. Uh, You know, we all thought that Roddy had him at the end here. He was uh, in the stronghold. Brian, master of the small package, rolls him up. One, two, three. The match end. Brian retains and is still your Ring of Honor World Champion. And we're really just still getting started. We're still getting, you know, the surface of what made Brian a very good champion in 2005 to 2006. And the cockiness that got out of Brian because he was a champion, because he was considered one of the best in the world. He took that and he inflated his ego tenfold. This was a good example of a guy believing his shit doesn't stink and proving it week in and week out, however often Ring of Honor is running, and even however often independence shows he was on that weren't a Ring of Honor show. You know, just him showcasing just how good of a wrestler he is. This one is in the upper echelon of Ring of Honor matches too, not as high as Fixer versus Blood Generation, or in my opinion, not as high as Nigel and Brian from unified in later on in the year in 2006 but this was still just a great match and really showcased the performer that brian was but also showcased how far along roddy has come as a performer this was a great example of roddy really taking the ability and raising his game to the next level i think a lot of people were waiting for that with from roderick strong 
And I think Brian brought out the best in him. There's no question in my mind. There's no question in my mind that these two worked well with one another. And, you know, and I honestly think that you would see these guys raised in a game after this, even against some other opponents. These, you know, we talk about Brian and Nigel. We talk about Brian and Joe from 2006. But another another grouping that doesn't get enough credit or respect is Brian and Roddy. And honestly, this is the reason why this was probably the most un- overlooked and underrated feud in Ring of Honor in 2006. These guys would go out there and put on the best possible matches at any given time. And sometimes, you know, you would get surprised with just how good they are. This isn't the last you see Brian and Roddy. We talk about um, them facing each other a couple episodes ago in Anarchy in the UK. But this isn't it. Um, this gets a little bit more intense as the year goes on. I feel like Roddy and Brian probably face each other more than uh, Joe and Brian and even Nigel and Brian. Maybe that's the same as Nigel and Brian, but I feel like you saw these guys wrestle one another quite a lot. Um, so this is uh, pure a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast, and I just talked about Supercard of Honor 2006. Make your sure make sure you find a way to watch this show. There's ways you can find this online. There's you can still find the DVD on eBay and stuff like that. You can watch this show and you can enjoy a lot of these matches here. Um, the show still holds up today to some standards. I would say there's certain parts that don't. Um, mainly, if you really want me to throw out something right off the bat, is the Cabana working with a concussion uh, that doesn't stand out and that wouldn't happen in today's wrestling. Um, but obviously the rest of the show clicks and it works very well. This showcase Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor partners in uh, Dragon Gate very well. And honestly got everyone excited for you know f- the future of what Ring of Honor would have to offer. Again, Ring of Honor is one of the early independent promotions that would piggyback off of a bet like WrestleMania. So it was nice to see them getting a big crowd and a good sized travel crowd here to really just get this uh, ball starting and getting them to the next level. Again, um, this is uh, Sean Taggart. I thank you guys for listening. You can rate, review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff on wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, some other places that do podcast stuff as well. You can either find me on Pure or on ROH Retrospective Pod or on the Count Up Podcast feed, wherever you guys want to listen. If you rather just have something just uniform, go with the Count Up Pod, whatever's easier for you. Again, we are talking about the next time uh, you hear my voice on the Pure Podcast. We're talking about the uh, Supercard of Honor show from April 1st, 2022. So we're going recent Ring of Honor, the big uh, title unification match. There's a lot more that's going to you know be on this show. And we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to see how I feel about this new Ring of Honor. See, I'm skeptical. Um, But I'm eagerly excited to share my thoughts and uh, talk about it with you guys the next time you see me, which is April 4th. So it's going to be fresh in the mind. Once again, this is Sean Taggart. You can follow me on Twitter at SeanTaggart531. Or you can, you know, just listen in and enjoy the talk about Ring of Honor. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time here on Pure. This has been a Countout Podcast. Hi guys, this is Lauren. This is Michael. And this is Your Dose of Death Podcast. If you're genuinely curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling, look no further as me and Mike have you covered on all things in the world of deathmatch wrestling, whether it's interviews, show reviews, or everything in between. 
We have you covered on all things Deathmatch Wrestling, whether it's past, present, or future. And you're probably wondering where you can go support us. You can find your dose of death podcast on all major podcast platforms, especially along with the Count Out Network of Podcasts. And also, you can support us on the Count Out Patreon as we have exclusive content only on the Patreon for all of our listeners. We hope that you go listen to Your Dose of Death podcast very soon. And see you at the shows. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.